now for something special. The unit is self-contained with its own saddler, farrier, wheelwright and so on. It's a rigorous training dished out who know all there is to know about horses and it brings results. We take you behind the scenes now to show just some of the interesting aspects of this training. Welcome back to Equine Dynamics with Mike Stein, the best podcast to create sounder horses from the ground up. Mike Stein is a registered journeyman farrier with an APF1 accreditation. This week's episode, what does it take to prepare a horse to compete in a three-day eventing? Also, what are some of the basic shoeing tools a horse owner should have? And also, the upcoming rule changes for shoeing racehorses effective July 1st. All this and much, much more will be discussed here on Equine Dynamics with Mike Stein. And over to my far right side is Mike Stein. How are you? I'm doing good, Travis. How are you? Welcome back. How are you? Tell everyone where you went. Where did I go? The Kentucky. I slept since then. I went to <laughs> Kentucky. I like to say the Rolex, but it is now the Land Rover. And also spent a little time over at the racetrack in Keeneland and um, Lexington. And? and uh, <laughs> How was it? Did you have a good time? It, it was good. It was good. Where's uh, my funnel cake? You promised me a funnel cake. It's still in the funnel. <laughs> I'll bring you a funnel. I guess you didn't buy a horse. They didn't talk you into buying a horse. Were there horses for sale over there? I'm sure you could have bought a horse there if you'd no. have had the, the right fund. The right funding. No, I, I had meetings with a number of different people, a couple of different footing people. I've met some people that I had had contact before, had some good discussion with them. It's kind of interesting because I can't go anywhere without running into somebody I seem to know. Well, I mean, the field that you're in, I mean, how many farriers are in the United States? I'm sure you're going to come there's across. A, there's a lot. Well, I mean, but no, we went to, to, your, to your level. How many farriers at your level are there? Hopefully they're a lot better than that. No, but we went to the motel room checking in and here comes somebody in the door and i turned around and i'm like i know this guy he says start comes up we start talking i say yeah we know each other and who, off and running who was it it was richard name armor chat armor i can't i'm not gonna talk okay <laughs> richard Armachet, r yes and he is a farrier and he's also involved with one of the pulch unit companies so while you were out there did you were there like clinics and stuff did you poke your nose in and get yourself in trouble anywhere because you said you were going to go make fun of the the farriers or, or tell the farriers that were there oh, you're gonna well, do i went down and I, I went to the farrier's shop behind the barns talked to those guys some and then went down to dressage and danvers was down there i've not seen danvers in a long time so i had to we had to catch up and aggravate each other a little bit i think he said he'd been working that program for 14 years now jeez so yeah that was all good so do you, were you able to see like the dressage event and, and the all the other events well the dressage I did not see did watch some of the five star cross country okay also that evening they had a good round of stadium jumping but honestly most of the time i was there i was in the vendor area i ended up sitting down and having some discussion with some people that i needed to catch up with and we'll hopefully have a few of them on the show and so what was your biggest takeaway from you know when you go to these things you always think all right i went in there not knowing this i came out knowing this well one of my discussions has been footing looking at the rule changes with racing and looking at how what we're learning when the show horse world may transfer over and we'll see where that goes but you know i did go to the keeneland racetrack i did have my hands on the footing there had another meeting there with a, a lady who does a lot of filming of racehorses we'll dive into that a little bit more as we get into the show here we'll dive a little bit more as far as what the footing was and, and the rule changes and whether they're good or bad these rule changes all right guys stick around we have a big show to get into and mike's got a lot of stuff to talk about stick around you're listening to equine dynamics with mike stein he'll be right back
Welcome back to Equine Dynamics with Mike Stein, the official farrier of the 2018 World Equestrian Games. And make sure you follow him on Facebook. You've got a bunch of videos. I saw you taking videos while you're out there. Uh, make sure you follow him on Facebook. Also, YouTube. For every podcast we do, we have a matching video that goes on waving to Mike. Mike is waving to me. Yeah, I have not done any video in the last bit. Do have a number of them we need to do. Well, you're, you've been on the road, so. Right. And the work that was going to be done while I was gone is being done before and after. And uh, make sure if you have any questions for Mike Stein about anything, go to equinedynamics.com and at the top of the page says contacts, fill out the little form there and send your question and make sure you put your return address and we'll send you out some free magnets and some stickers and stuff. Now, Mike just got back from Kentucky, the Land Rover Kentucky, what's the whole title of it? The Land Rover. It's a three-day event, five-star. This is a step above what they do for like World Games and the Olympics is a four-star. Now, Mike just got back from this three-day eventing. Now, what does it take to prepare a horse to compete in a three-day eventing? Well, it's a lot. Good trainer, good conditioning, um, preparing for the dressage arena, preparing for the jumping arena, preparing for cross-country, and a lot of physical conditioning because of that five-star, that cross-country course was, I think, four miles and 40-plus jumps. Jesus. Obstacles through a couple of uh, water obstacles. That takes a fit horse and a fit rider, and the team has to work together. You've got to have saddles that fit correctly for that job because they use a different saddle for you know, for the dressage. They may use one for jumping. They may use a different saddle for their cross country. Now, the opening of our show, it says that some teams have their own saddler and, and farrier and all that. Does each of these horses have their own team, like a pit crew? Do they have their own vet that they bring out? Do they have their own saddle fitters? Do they have their own farriers? Or is it just kind of a general, this vet can take care of all the horses and this saddle fitter can, you know, well, how does that work? The deal is, is there are some people that will bring their farriers in with them. There are some people that may bring their vets in with them. They have a team with the horse and it takes a team. You know, make sure you have a groom that will handle that horse that probably knows that horse better than any of us some days. The horses that I work on, I'm always in discussion with the trainers. We've got to make some decisions on when we can do what and do we need to make changes. We're not going to make it going straight into an event, but when we have some letdown time, if we need to alter a few things, we can there. And when they're backing off the horse, the horse needs need some letdown time. And also, there's a lot of conditioning. The trainers will talk to me about what's going on with the horse what I need to look at, what they're feeling on a, on a horse, and then we'll check out everything we can and go from there. You need someone who can do a wonderful job of fitting a saddle because I think you're learning more and more. There's a lot going on there. If that horse cannot move freely, well, it's not going to make that four and a half miles. For those of you who don't know, we, uh, my wife and I bought a new horse, Diego. He's three years old, gelding, and she had an old saddle that went on another horse, and we're trying to get this saddle flocked for this horse. So, yeah, I guess, you know, saddle fitting is, is saddle a... Is a is a biggie and when you're asking for that kind of performance it has to be really right and just as what i do when you're pushing a horse to that pace shoeing them is is a little different deal you've got you know horses doing that it's it's a challenge for a farrier then you're looking at what we have to do because of the modern ground conditions shoeing three-day event horses has changed quite a bit i want to say 20 25 years ago because of the demands are so different and a lot of that has really changed has been because of the the synthetic footings in the arena so here's a here's a dumb question because that's what i do sponsorships for these horses i mean do they have like you were talking 
talking about Buckeye earlier. Is there sponsor people like, or I, I would say not sponsor people, are, but are there companies that like Kellogg's or someone like that or Purina would sponsor these horses? Or is that kind of a biased and non-biased type thing? Or is that Well, you can sponsor that, one if you'd like. Well, I know. I, I mean, c- I know you got the money for it. <laughs> well, I, yeah. But I'm no. sitting on it right now, all this money. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I can tell it's hurting you. <laughs> no, there are, there are horses that are being sponsored by numerous sponsors. And some of those are products. Some of those may be, I don't know, because I'm not in that. I know that, you know, like Coastal Okay. I believe they have sponsored, and I don't want to speak out of turn, but I believe they have sponsored a few horses. And I, I know the Coastal people, Dr. Bob and, and that crew, I do some work for them. Like I say, Travis, if you want to sponsor one of the big names, <laughs> have at it. I was just thinking financially, how much, one, how much are those horses worth insurance-wise? Mm-hmm. I mean, you've got to have some kind of backing because I can't, well, I say I can't. I can't sit there and think that you're going to just dump all this money into, in my opinion, a hobby. I know I'm going to get a lot of flack for that. I'm sorry. I know it's not a hobby. It's a sport. It's a you know a highly intense competition. Oh, at this level, this it is very serious. I'm sure that if somebody wants to fly a horse over from England or or wherever, Ireland, Germany, bring a horse in from Australia, if you want to pay for the airfare, they'd be just tickled to death to have you do it. So you would have basically a team of veterinarian, a farrier, a massage therapist, chiropractor. Massage therapist, chiropractics. There are a number of things that different people will do with their horses. Some believe. Aromatherapy. Oh, there, there's probably some aromatherapy. Uh, for the trainer as well, I would for imagine. For the trainer, yeah. Yeah, I've got a client who has a one of those big vibe deals for horse where you walk them onto it. We call them massagers. Massagers, yes. There, there you go. And the horse stands there, eats hay, and it massages the horse through what they're standing on. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. Oh. It's rather nice. I've taken a nap on it. And it's really neat because, you know, standing on one, your legs feel kind of rubbery when they come off. But that is that's part of their routine. And there are vets that deal with this type of horse that specialize in sports medicine. And we need a good sports medicine vet. And we need a vet that is myself we can work together with and because we we need to get information back and forth from each other because i need to know what's going on if there's no communication there's a problem all of us need to be on the same page on the same page yes you know there's there's a lot and transporting um what you're doing on the other end if you're flying horses getting to the airport having somebody pick it up on the other end whatever may be done there it's unbelievable all the all the amount of stuff that goes into this i know and it's horses and you can do you could say that with any sport you know you get a, a baseball team to get them across the country to play another another team it takes an effort in itself. All right, guys, stick around. Well, when we come back, we'll talk about some basic tools that you would need if you have problems shoeing your horses or not that you're going to shoe or something comes across. And Mike will dive into that here when we come back. Stick around. You're looking to Equine Dynamics with Mike Stein. He'll be right back.
Welcome back to Equine Dynamics with Mike Stein, the official 2017 American Eventing Championship Farrier. And uh, make sure you follow him on Facebook. And the way you do that is search for Equine Dynamics with Mike Stein. He's got a whole bunch of videos that he posted when he was out there at the Land Rover out there in Kentucky. A three-day eventing competition. He was out there talking to a bunch of buddies, shook some hands, met some faces, and he's going to get some of the people that he met out there on the show. So that'll be interesting as well. And make sure you follow him on YouTube as well. And if you have any questions for him, go to equinedynamics.com and fill out the little form there and we'll send you out some some magnets some stickers and things like that for your questions all right now my wife we have one horse that has shoes does diego have shoes on him no he does no, not no he does not and that's our three-year-old so dominique which is our female our mare she's eight years old going to be nine years old she's got shoes on my wife always when we have a rainy day she's worried that the fields because of the suction of the mud and stuff it's going to suck a shoe off or half of a shoe what kind of tools should a horse owner have and just the basic techniques of how to take care of a, until a farrier come by, take care of the shoes. There needs to be something that you can get a shoe off of a horse safely. And what do you, what do you recommend? Crowbar? Sure. <laughs> Let's see how that goes for you. You can pick up some nail pullers at uh, most anywhere. You don't have to have the same tools that I have because you're not going to be using them all the time. A pair of pull-offs would be good. Old nippers might work. Farriers sometimes have some old tools. My tools, by the time I'm done with them, are usually somebody's already spoke for them or they've been pretty well destroyed right you can get your farrier to coach you through getting a shoe off safely and you should if dominique has a shoe that's falling off sorta you don't recommend sometimes duct tape oh really well, you know, if you've got one that everything's in place enough and is slightly loose, if you duct tape it to the foot good enough, you may be able to keep it there. The little bit of racehorse I did when they traveled, they duct taped up the feet so they wouldn't pull them in the trailer. Why wouldn't they put bells on them? Because they just didn't use bells. <laughs> Some people don't. But you need enough knowledge and skills to get the shoe off safely and not rip the foot apart and do minim, you know, minimize damage. If you got something that's going to damage the foot, needs to be gotten off, you need the to do it. I may be somewhere else. And what brought this up was I had a call from, you know, Brett. Yes, I know Brett. He's our trainer. He, you give him money every month. We do. Yes. He called. I was in Kentucky. He says, we've got a horse that's leaving at six o'clock in the morning. When are you back? He knew I, he knew I was there. Right. Said the horse was acting silly, whatever, in the wash bay, been a shoe. Bent a shoe. Bent a shoe. Mm-hmm. They wanted to go to the horse show. He says it wasn't bad, but it was bent. He said, I got the shoe off and I've got it straightened out. Now, to make this make a little more sense, Brett had apprenticed with me because at one point he was thinking about becoming a farrier. And he got nails in the fingers and that sort of thing. So maybe I don't like nails in the finger. <laughs> so he's had some experience. And, and at one point, he had a trimming clientele. He's got a farrier's apron. I gave him one of my old ones. And they've got a few tools over there. Well, they, they were asking about farriers local to them. And I said, well, maybe you can get one over there. So then the next call was, I'm at the tax store. What kind of nails do I need? And I said, told him what I had. I said, well, that's, that's close enough. And he was going to put it on. And he was talking about picking up a couple of tools to get get the shoe back on clenched up and all that i don't know that he had clinchers was talking about buying a pair of clinchers so then i talked him through this is how you do an old school hammer clinch because used to be it with your big pad horses and stuff you stand them on the concrete and you work the clinch around and tap it in with your hammer and that can be done uh, i've had horses that i've done that on my 
myself because you got a horse that's stiff in the back end. You're up in the air time is very short, so sometimes you get it where it needs to be and down, and then you can do part of your work on the ground without the leg being flexed up. So would you recommend, he said he had a bent shoe in the wash rack, do you recommend after he's flattened that shoe out to put it put that same shoe back on the horse, or is that going to mess up? I would think in my mind, I picture... <laughs> if it's close enough, he can pretty well slide stuff back in the old nail holes. You ever put on a pair of shoes with no socks on, and then you pull your feet out of those shoes, and that little foot part that's in the, the sole of the shoe comes out with you, right. and it never goes back in there correctly? <laughs> right, yeah. That's the way I picture it, and it and makes me walk funny, because the thing has come out, and it's folded up, and I'm trying to shove the thing back into the shoe. And that's why I picture if you take a bent shoe and you try to straighten it out as best you, what you think is straight and try to stick it back on the horse, isn't that going to make the horse feel a little funny on that one foot? I would imagine. I would not ask you to do that. He, he decided himself to do it. Okay. And if you had said, I'm going to put the shoe back on, I would say, no, just flat out. No, it's your horse. You can do what you want, but no. Like I said, Brett apprenticed with me. He's ha- he's got some knowledge as far as what to look for in right, that shoe. Right, but he, he, has, he has nailed. It's been a while, but he has nailed horseshoes on before. So the basic tools that you would physically have to have would cost you about how much money? I mean, I'm talking just maybe twice a year, maybe once a year. You would have to do something with your horse because your farrier wasn't available. About how much are we looking at as far as the actual tools that you need? I don't know because I don't buy those tools. <laughs> well, take the price of your tools and cut it in one fourth. I'm sure. Yeah, you could you could do that easy enough. <laughs> and especially with your thoroughbreds and your thin sold horses, your creased nail pullers where you can grab into the crease of the nail and, and you're putting levering against the shoe instead of against the bottom of the foot is a very good idea because some of those really light footed horses, you can make them a little sore getting a shoe off because of levering between the pull offs go between the shoe and the foot. If the nail heads are not where you can get a hold of them, sometimes you have to do that. On a drafty, heavy footed horse, some of these big warm bloods is not so bad. If I can slip nails out individually, I'm going to do less damage to the foot as far as the nail pulling the nail and also not layering against the foot itself. If you've got something with really thick, heavy hoof walls, yeah, you can do that. Sometimes if the nail heads are too beat up and ground in and sometimes they'll rivet into the shoe, sometimes I'm going to, I'm going to have to go between the shoe and the foot and get a little bit of room. And then if you can knock the back shoe back down, sometimes you can get a hold of them. But there are times I'm going to have to use a pair of regular pull-offs in there. I got a pair of chairs channel locks will that work years ago i have taken shoes off with channel locks. have you really i have and not the best tool for no it. all right well i got a pair of channel locks and a hammer like an old stanley hammer well, old stanley hammer am i good mm. for now no, you're good you're good travis <laughs> you're good but as far as like cutting your clenches off if you need to knock your clenches up you can do it with a chisel you can do it with uh you can start a clench with a chisel if you needed to i don't i use fairy tools but farriers always have an extra rasp i cycle my rasp through I don't use a rasp dull dull. You don't want a brand new rasp because you're just going to eat yourself up with it. And a rasp stuck somewhere, if you got a farrier coming in your barn, you can get a rasp because if I'm looking at scrap prices that are really not worth a lot, right. and if you want one, I'll give it to you. But if you have one stuck in the corner, that way you can uh, knock your clenches off and clean them down with the rasp to where that clench it and fold it over and locked into the hoof wall so it pulls back through clean as far as not wanting to tear hoof wall. So I'm set. All right, guys, stick around. we got more to get into. And you're listening to Equine Dynamics with Mike Stein. I'll be right back.
Welcome back to Equine Dynamics with Mike Stein, the best podcast for creating sound of horses from the ground up. Mike Stein is a registered journeyman farrier with an APF1 accreditation. Now, Mike just got back from the Land Rover over in Kentucky three-day eventing competition. Is it a competition to, to hand out awards or ribbons or trophies or anything like that, or is it just for posterity? It is definitely a competition. Okay. Is there like first place, second place, third place? Do they there have is like first place, second place, third place? And what does the winner get? Like tasty treats for the rest of their life or something? Or is it like they probably ca- can get a few tasty treats out of it? Yeah, I don't know what the prize would be. Is it a money purse or is it probably? I'm going to say yes. Let's say yes. Let's say yes. Let's in our world, Mike. Let's. I know you're not totally not on that side of the fence or on that side of the arena. Let's say it's half a million dollars for first place. Let's say that. Let's say that. <laughs> now don't don't hold us to us. If you have any questions for Mike or if you know the answer to that as well, go over to equinedynamics.com. Email Mike and make sure in the subject line you put podcast so we know exactly who it goes to because. Mike's got a whole bunch of other emails uh, that he's got to sift through. Probably <laughs> he's going to get a lot of uh, mail from the uh, Land Rover people over there in Kentucky. <laughs> well, if you win enough, you have a lot better chance of sponsorships, that's for sure. This is true. Now, you said while you were out there, they were asking you about the, the synthetic services and fixing the shoes and stuff. So there are some rule changes that are coming up. New shoeing rule changes can be found on the HISA Racetrack Safety Program, focused specifically on traction devices that ferry are permitted to apply, except for the full rims two millimeter or less from the ground surface of the horseshoe. Traction devices are prohibited on the forelimb and the hindlimb horseshoes during racing and training on dirt or synthetic tracks. Traction devices are prohibited on the forelimb and the hindlimb horseshoes during training and racing on the turf. Now, tell me exactly what they're trying to do and what they're trying to prevent with this, this new rule change. I think what they're working on, one thing is a standard across the country because jockey club states kind of everybody had their own individual rules and it would be different from state to state part of what they're trying to do is minimize injuries on the horse this is kind of what sent me out there because track surfaces i know with within the sport horse world i've done some racehorse shoeing not enough to say that i was oh i'm not a world-class racehorse shoer by any means not going to pretend to be with the sport horses we've had to adjust because of surfaces especially with the eventers and well with all of them with our dressage horses with our jumping horses where we're going on to the synthetic surfaces over how we used to do when the arenas were all primarily sand now in 2014 the federal equestrian international produced a paper saying that surfaces must be firm enough to support the horses while soft enough to damper the load it must be responsive to return the energy to the horse effortlessly which is very hard for me to say providing enough purchase for the propulsion and enough slide for the landing that is exactly what you need and that kind of goes racetrack dressage arena jumping arena and the demands between a jumping arena and a dressage arena would be a little different as far as how firm it is and how deep there are into the ground now when you say synthetic surfaces i'm thinking crushed up tires sometimes you'll you'll see your car tires they'll grind them up and use that not for horses but like in playgrounds or surfaces or something like that is it that kind of material or what is the actual synthetic material made of well we used to see some ground up tires but they've kind of gotten away from that there are a few arenas around that do have ground up tires in there i know where a couple of them are now part of the problem you ran into with the tires if you're on full sun and it was a hot day they melt they they got (laughs) hot and you got feet hot and getting horses feet too hot it's not good they kind of got away from that and we've got everything from felt to some of it look like scrap carpet padding to 
anything else. There's synthetic fibers. What's the one clay surface that, I forget the arena that we go to, it almost has like these long fibers mixed in with the clay. It almost looks like fiberglass or hair or something like that. What is that material? It may be a polyester. I don't know because there are a number of companies out there that use different materials. There's some that have waxes in them. Everybody's got a different mix and they've got their own reason for it. But some of them are a sand with wax in it. And then if you go to different parts of the country, where's your sand coming from? Because you can have the same synthetics here and you may be hauling sand out of a local sand pit or different parts of the country. The grit and the sand is going to be a little different. And it's going to react a little different with the same material added into it. Are you saying that the rule changes that they're happening in July 1st, is that a good thing? Because you're trying to make it across the board, but it sounds like across the board doesn't work on all the different surfaces. So it's like, you know, when you play uh, tennis, you play either on turf or you play on clay or you play on some kind of astro or synthetic surface. So you would need different shoes just for that as well. Yeah, I don't know how this is going to work out. The people that I shoot racehorses for were anti-grab, so we used flat plates that's where it's going to put most people i don't know what they're going to allow as far as can you rocker them do a roll or whatever else if we limit it on that that kind of changes the surface because the firmer the surface is the more you're going to need mechanics built into the shoe to help alleviate pressure for them to go across the top of it if they sit the surface deeper you're going to get a certain amount of perch where the the foot will rotate into the ground your break your roll point will be at that point where the foot rolls into the ground so the hisa defines traction devices that included but are, are not limited to rims, toe grabs, bends, jar, caulks, and stickers. The rule does not uh, reference toe wear plates or nail height. However, the language does define traction devices that leaves it open to interpretation. Well, let's see who's interpreting it. Yeah, so I mean, they're, it sounds like they're trying to make the rule, but they're like going, all right, here's the rule. What does it mean? Ah, you guys figure it out. I don't know. It's like when you went to a muddy track at certain times, you could change your nails and add some traction if you needed to. Because they have almost like cleats. A little bit, yes. And I don't know where that's going to leave us with that because those 17 AECs, I, I worked that event. Cross country was clay and it rained. It poured down rain. The upper level guys who are primarily where I'm working as far as my clientele, they were set to go. Lower level riders that come in, they were not ready. So I ended up with horses lined up. We're pulling shoes off, you know, drilling tappets so people could use studs. And they were stacked seven and eight deep. There were a few farriers that I had called on. There were a couple on the grounds that stepped in. At one time, we had three of us under horses, one farrier over drilling shoes, his son-in-law, who was not a farrier, tapping shoes for us and handing shoes back to us. We couldn't get them all done. There were 800 horses on the grounds, and we never came. I never came up for air all the way through through that deal. There was one evening that I was going to meet some people to watch show jumping. I got up there for the last horse to go through. And where have you been? And I've, I've been under horses. Show, and you show them your bloody knuckles and stuff, and this is where I've been. You yeah, know, exactly. <laughs> but you take your surfaces. If it pours down rain, they can pack and roll the surfaces, make it better. The track's still going to be wet under there. I don't know where that's going to leave us. They're, they're going to have to figure out, are they going to standardize the track surfaces? And at Keeneland, we looked at that, and it sounds like they have gone back to a natural surface. There are other tracks that are going to be a synthetic, and it's going to be a different ball game on that synthetic. It's going to be a different ball game with a level of moisture in the ground. The Natural tracks are going to allow more glide. When they come in, of course, comes into the ground, it's got enough forward momentum, that foot sliding forward until the foot sets into the ground and he starts into your breakover phase and he pushes into the ground and the cup of the foot will grab into the ground.
ground and he pushes. The grab will, would lock into the ground and give him more push. The other end with the grab is they come in as that slide forward. As soon as that grab sets into the, through the ground, you've got a big set of brakes that goes on and it snaps the whole bone column around. And that is in the spore horse world with his natural surfaces. We've tried to figure out all kinds of ways to get that foot to slide as it comes in. That's been one of our biggest challenges. And depending on the surface, like your reining horse, they put a big wide plate on it to slide. On some of the synthetic surfaces, that won't slide. That stops. Aluminum, which then the hunter world used aluminum, used aluminum, used aluminum. When it comes in, aluminum is more porous and it grips against the ground more than a steel shoe would. Most of the fairies prefer steel shoes. The other thing is if you've got aluminum with a wear bar in it, some of those shoes will have an insert in the toe to keep the shoe from wearing. You're going to have that on the racing plate too. The mileage you put on that shoe wears around the wear bar. At what point is that wear bar becoming an attraction device and becoming too much? I, I don't see them going, why would they make all the fields the same, all the arenas the same, all the tracks the same, and all the shoes the same? Because then, now what are you doing? You're doing this, you're not making a challenge. It's, it's no different than, let's say, NASCAR racing. You know, every track is different. That's where the sport of the game comes in. How are you going to make your vehicle, in this case, the vehicle being your horse, adapt to these changes? That's your rider's responsibility, the talent of the rider, the talent of the horses, and the talent of your farrier. And all the other quote-unquote pit crew make this horse work its best possibility on these different levels of tracks or fields or whatever. Yeah, you would like for them to be the same, wouldn't you? <laughs> well, I mean, that's, if you're trying to make all the shoes the same and you're going to make all the, let's say they make all the, the fields the same, then there's no absolutely no challenge to the horse and rider. How are you con- going to control humidity level? Well, I mean, outside of nature and stuff like that, but I mean, if, if everyone had the same track and the same shoes and the same this and, th- you know, no traction bars and all that, everyone had was equal. Everyone gets a participation trophy. So it's up to the interpretation. Well, maybe they're just going to start giving everybody a participation <laughs> trophy because you were there. Then everything's good. We all won. But it's going to be a different surface. It will never be the same surface. You look at... So you can't make one rule that blankets a broad brush and covering all the surfaces because... Oh, you can make the rule. <laughs> you can make the rule for sure. But you go to Florida, to here, to Colorado, to... California. California, to Arizona... We get rain here. Arizona has it in spells. And you get your height. You were talking about oxygen earlier. Right. Well, you know, that's one thing that's going to affect some horses when they go to a different showground is are they adjusted to that altitude? And sometimes you have to take horses in early to give them a chance to adjust to the altitude. If you're from our part of the world at a few hundred feet above sea level where our air is thick enough that we can breathe it Mm -hmm. and i know i shoot horses in colorado at 6500 feet and i was sucking air for air pretty hard and it was like whoa this is not good took me a few days to adjust that's going to make a difference in the performance of the horse you can't set altitudes you can't control the the environment the exact same footing in an arid desert area high desert or low desert or whatever kind of desert is going to be different than the footing in an area where we live in the rainforest part of the year all right guys stick around we got one more segment and then we'll let you get back to enjoying the rest of your day. Stick around. You're listening to Equine Dynamics with Mike Stein. He'll be right back.
Welcome back to Equine Dynamics with Mike Stein. Make sure you follow him on Facebook, and the way you do that is go to uh, Facebook, search Equine Dynamics, and Mike Stein, you can see him over there. And don't forget, for every podcast we have, we have a matching video, me waving to Mike, Mike waving to me. Hi, Mike. And Mike just got back from the Land Rover, Kentucky. It's a three-day eventing. I'm going to get this. I'm going to get this right. It's a three-day eventing competition. There it is. And uh, Mike, you just got back from it. And how'd you do? Did you meet a lot of people? You met a lot of people. Familiar faces. Familiar faces. Found some people that knew me through other avenues I've never met in person. Uh oh, is that a good thing or a bad thing? Hopefully, it's a good thing. <laughs> they didn't see your picture up in the post office, did they? <laughs> no, they have not been going in that post office. That's a different one. All right, Mike. What did we learn today? What does it take to prepare a horse to compete in a three-day eventing competition? It takes a team, and it takes a lot of conditioning. And it takes a lot of dedication. And a lot of money from our understanding. A lot of money and time and energy. Anywhere from a professional veterinarian, a farrier, a massage therapist, chiropractor, aromatherapy, fitness of the horse and rider, dedication, financial backing, sponsorships, and good equipment for the horse and the rider. It just, it just takes a lot. I mean, you just can't just jump on your horse and go. No, and for, for a farrier, dealing with those horses is definitely a challenge. And what are some of the basic chewing tools that a horse owner should have laying around? Like my Stanley Hammer and my channel locks. Well, you can work with a Stanley Hammer and channel locks, and you can bust your knuckles or whatever else. You said a good thing is to get a rasp. Yes. Farriers will always have a rasp. You don't have to buy one. Enough tools to get a shoe off safely at, min- at minimum should be in the barn. If you've got unshot horses, maybe you need an old rasp to just dress up something on the edge. Also, you need to go to your farrier and ask them to teach you how to get a shoe off safely. Because not done safely, you can do a fair amount of damage to a foot. Or just while you're there, hey, walk me through the steps of exactly. what you're doing. Exactly. Because your farrier will... Be glad to do that so you won't damage the foot, and then he has to figure out what how to deal with what has been done. Was it an ounce of preventative? It was worth a pound of cure. Yes. The upcoming rule change for shoeing racehorses effective July 1st, 2022. How do you feel about the rule change, and do you think it, quote-unquote, pardon the pun, stick? It will stick, I believe. I think that it will probably stick. It may not. There, there's going to be adjustments, so like with FEI rules. They're trying to make it safer for the horses, make it safer for everybody all the way through. We don't want horses injured. We want safe track surfaces. We want safe practices from what we do. Dealing with the abrasion, dealing with the impact, dealing with the needs of the horse to go at that speed. And hopefully this horse will be better off down the road to become our sport horses, to go out on the event courses and and be good, productive citizens. All right, guys, we're going to let you guys get back to enjoying the rest of your day. Uh, Make sure you follow Mike Stein over on Facebook, Equine Dynamics with Mike Stein. Also, make sure you follow him on YouTube as well. Uh, Search for Equine Dynamics on YouTube. And also, if you have any questions for Mike, go to equinedynamics.com at the top of the page. It says contacts. Fill out the little form there. Ask your question. Make sure you put podcasts in the subject line so Mike can decipher between all his other email addresses. (coughs) And make sure you put your return address in there as well. And we'll send you out some stickers and some magnets as well so you can and tell all your friends about it. All right, guys, on that note, we'll let you get back to enjoying your day. On behalf of Mike Stein over there, have a good day. My name is Travis Holmes. See you next week. All of the doggies are in the corral. All of your work.